Welcome to Grace in Public, preaching and teaching in the heartland and all around the world. So often, if you've been through attacks and the effects of satanic causes and the reality of satanic intervention in the cosmic world system and the invisible spirits, the inaudible voices, the amazing penetrations or projections from the atmosphere where there are living persons in the spirit world, so often we are not conditioned to hear the word of God. And I love to be renewed in the spirit of my mind and to be renewed by the eternal ears of God. Yesterday is gone forever. Now just pass by. What happens tomorrow doesn't exist today, so that cuts out weary. Yesterday's gone forever, so that cuts out the past to the true person who trusts the reality of the Word of God. And now just pass by, so what? We live in the eternal is. I believe when we came up with the doctrine of the eternal is, we had over 100 healings within three to four weeks who somehow got a hold of the eternal is. We had marriages restored. We had individual deliverances over habits. All because of the eternal is. Now say it with me. Yesterday is gone forever. Sing it with me. Never mind. Now just pass by and will never be back. I even won a man that was a scholar in one of the Ivy League colleges with this message. He said, you're telling me this stuff, I can listen to you. What happens tomorrow doesn't exist today. So we live in the eternal is. And the eternal is is Jesus Christ. We're living in the is life. Not the now life. See, what I said to you one minute ago is gone forever except possibly helping you in the fragrance of memory if you received it by faith and let the Holy Spirit reveal it to you. Martha said, if you had been here, we know, if you had come here, we know that my brother would not have died. What was her problem? She lived in the past. If you had been here, we know that our brother would not have died. By the way, she was really being sarcastic because they were very close friends. He visited them and stayed weekends, and she couldn't figure out why he waited four days until his, her brother died and never came and said hi. It was sarcastic. Then she said, and we know that you will raise him up in the last days. She believed in a what? Future resurrection. But she didn't understand the is. And Jesus said, I am resurrection and life. What did he say? I am. I am the one that is. Now, yesterday has what? Gone forever. You'll never get it back. No matter what you say, it's gone forever. And that ought to be a break for some of you. <laughs> All of us. What happens tomorrow does not exist yet and may never and now just pass by. So why worry about it? So Jesus said, I am resurrection and life. I, I am. I am he that is. A little girl 
is going to ask me a very important question. She's going to ask me why God took her daddy. My answer to that is if you really loved your daddy, would you rather have him in a perfect place or in this place? Number two, it was God's perfect will. And number three, it gives us and that precious young girl a chance to know Christ in a brand new way. See, God sees what we are the second we go to be with him, so it doesn't really upset him. I mean, if you could see somebody that was blind, that couldn't walk, or that was sick, or a number of other things, and if you could see them perfect in your eternal viewpoint, well, we won't go into that right now. But you can see what God's attitude is like, right? Jesus said this to his disciples just after he gave them the Great Commission. And when he had spoken these things in verse 9, while they will be holding him or beheld him, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. There's the eternal is, not confined to three dimensions of time. Not being confined to three dimensions of time. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand here gazing into heaven? Now notice this carefully, because this is an unusual tense for this situation in the Greek. It's a perfect tense, active voice, indicative mood. Now, this perfect tense, perfect tense means completion or finished result, something that happened in the past that's completed or has finished results. But this perfect tense has temporal significance in its height, with the indicative mood being the assertion of a fact. And the Word of God says that they were standing, gazing into the heaven, and the angel said unto them, Why are you gazing into heaven? And then he made this statement, This same Jesus, which is taken from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. Now may I say this tonight? There are those that say, Reverend Moon is Jesus. A person said to me, right in this church, they didn't, they don't say it anymore. They were new to this church. They said to me recently, Well, as long as you believe in God, you're all right. Sorry, that is not correct. Buddha is not God. Believe in Buddha and you'll go to hell. Believe in Mohammed and you'll go to hell. Believe in Reverend Moon and you'll go to hell. Believe in Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Now, it didn't, didn't say that Jesus was coming back as Reverend Moon. And it doesn't say he's coming back as Mohammed or Buddha or Confucius or Confusion. It says this same Jesus, just like you see him go up into heaven, this same Jesus will come back. First of all, as you consider his return, there are exactly... 316 references in 242 chapters of his second coming in the rapture. 
One out of every nine verses in the New Testament gives reference in some way, in some form, to Jesus coming back. Now, what a beautiful thing it is tonight to know that not one single word of God will fall to the ground in 1 Kings 8.56. Everything he said shall come to pass in Ezekiel 12.25. If it were not so, he would tell us in John 14. Every word of God is pure in Proverbs 30 verse 5, and all the promises are yea in 2 Corinthians 1.19, and none of them are nay. And Jesus Christ, the Bible says, in Titus 1-2, it says, God cannot lie. In Hebrews 6-18, it says it's impossible for God to lie. In Numbers 23-19, says God is not a man that he can lie. In Romans 3, even if your unbelief goes against God, let God be true in every man a liar. In Romans 3-4, you want some more? All right, what I'm saying is this. I'm not going to add to the Bible just because I'm some liberal or some person that is secretly arrogant because of certain achievements. I'm going to accept the Word of God as being absolutely correct. Every single prophecy has been fulfilled. And every single thing God has promised has come to pass. There doesn't have to be another thing to be fulfilled before the rapture. The second thing, it'll be a glorious resurrection. I mean, picture the precious children that are invalids, and picture the people that have never walked, and picture the folks that, that are, that are be beautiful, precious people, but they are blind or deaf, and picture the folks that are suffering, tremendous suffering. In a moment or a twinkling of an eye, they will have a perfect, glorified body. I'm saying Jesus is going to give them a glorious resurrected body. I have, I have been with mothers who've had children that have been born handicapped, and I've seen the heartache and, and on the mother's face. She accepts it, the daddy's face. And, but one day those children will be perfectly glorified. Oh, the beautiful, glorious resurrection. But to something else. A grand reunion. I love that. A grand reunion. The Bible says that they'll come from the east, the west, the north, and the south, and they'll be seated, seated uh, at Abraham's table. It's going to be a grand reunion. Abraham is at that table. Isaac is at that table. Jacob is at that table. Three generations at one table in heaven. Will families be together? There's your answer, providing you want them to be. I mean, remember, it's still going to be heaven. But, uh, sure, you laugh, but you... All right. So, three generations at one table in the Gospel of Luke, the 11th chapter. I'm saying to you tonight, there's going to be a grand Reunion. I, I do this every three or four years. I don't do it often anymore. But the late Bob Jones Sr., when he died, uh, his, his eyes were getting uh, dim, his ears were getting deaf, and, and uh, he was having hardening of the arteries. And, but uh, I, I'll never forget the time. I went down there five straight, 
fall, uh, spring rather, and took students in the fall, etc. And spent a lot of time in South Carolina. And uh, I want you to see this. He got so bad, he founded Bob Jones University. He was the founder. I don't agree with everything about Bob Jones University, but I like the late Bob Jones Sr. a lot better than I like a lot of them now. I'll just put that in there in case you say, Bob Jones. Yeah, Bob Jones, I know, but we thank God for all the good anyway. Anyway, Bob Jones Sr. was getting a little bad, and he was up in the pulpit, and this is what he said. He said, (laughs) many years ago, I was walking down the street. I was only 12 years old at the time. And he said, a great dominating thought came to me, and the great dominating thought was, i got to live somewhere forever, so i better learn how to live. And so he said, I decided at 12 years old to, to live for Jesus. And he said, I went in a little Methodist church. He said, my mother didn't know I was there. She went three times a week, and I crept in the back row. And he said, it was a, the seats were as hard as they could be. And he said... He said, they sang, what a friend we have in Jesus and, and um, amazing grace. And then he said, the preacher preached upon the story that there was a man once. He was sick of palsy and five men got together and they brought him down to Jesus. All kinds of obstructions. They took him upon the roof, brought him down to Jesus. They found a way to get him to Jesus and he got saved. He said, I decided if he gets saved, I get saved too. He said, now, many years ago, I was walking down the street and... Uh, he gave the story, and he got through the story, and third time, he said, many years ago, I was walking down the street, and a great thought came to me, I've got to live somewhere forever, so I better learn how to live. And he said, so I decided right then that I guess I better go to church and accept Jesus. Now, he said, I went in the back seat, the pews were hard, and, and then he got through, and the fourth time, he said, now, many years ago... He had hardening of the arteries. Now, he said it four times. He started to say it the fifth time. And I thought this must have really uh, been difficult for his son, Bob Jones, Jr. But two of them came up, the son and the grandson, up, and they said, Dad, you've got to come off the pulpit. And he said, "I'm, I'm giving him testimony. He couldn't remember a thing, just one thing, how he got saved. That's all he could remember, how he got saved. Wasn't that a wonderful thing to remember? He was in the hospital, and uh, he was getting quite bad. And uh, The family would come in to see him, and he would say, after the nurse would go out, he would say to his son, he'd say, the devil sent the angels to keep me from going out and preaching the gospel to every creature. Help me get up while they're gone. We'll go out and preach the gospel to every creature. Help me get up. <laughs> he thought the nurses were the devil. Demons trying to get him. Um, there's one thing he wanted to do the last thing he remembered is how he got saved and he better go out and preach the gospel the only two things the old man could remember (laughs) okay I'm saying this in heaven there's going to be a grand reunion and when we we get up there who you want to see first when you get up to heaven what? Sure, you just want to be real spiritual tonight. <laughs> of course we want to see Jesus. I do too, and I want to see Jesus. And, uh, but I'll tell you what. Paul will be there. Peter will be there. James will be there. And uh, I don't know. A lot, of, a lot of people will be there or not. But it will be a grand reunion. Everybody that's born again will be there. What a grand reunion that will be. And I'll see my mother, hope I see my father, 
and, and see all my loved ones that have gone up there, uh, and, and uh, they're up there now. You know, as people go home to be with the Lord, your church in heaven sometimes gets bigger than the church on earth. Well, anyway, the grand reunion. After the grand reunion, won't that be beautiful to all have glorified bodies, have no more sin, no more sorrow, no more death, no more pain, no more sickness, no funeral hearses, no graveyards. I mean, won't that be wonderful? And that's what this life is all about. Being happy now and serving God now and preparing to have an eternity with Jesus Christ. But after the grand reunion, something else we must consider. The grievous separation. Two will be working in the field. One will be left and one will be taken. Two will be in bed. One will be left and one will be taken. One will go if they're saved and one will stay if they're lost. Three in a household will stay maybe and two will go. Only those that truly accepted Jesus Christ will go. And I'm, I'm saying make sure in Second Peter 1.10 you're saved. Don't play with it. Don't flirt with it. Make sure you're saved. One will be taken. and one. Can you picture somebody waking up and their wife has gone to heaven and they're, they're, they've missed out because they didn't really truly get saved? Can you picture... Teenagers that will go to heaven, the parents never got right with God, and they remain on earth. I'm saying there will be a grievous separation. I'm telling you something else. Picture the liberal preachers that didn't have the character to tell their people the truth. How would you feel if you'd been to church with your parents, and then you took that on to be your church, and they never preached the true gospel, and the church was lost and going to hell, There'll be no second chance for salvation once the rapture takes place. So there'll be a grievous separation. And Jesus said, listen, I will return. I shall come back. And right now I'm preparing a mansion for you. And if I prepare a mansion for you, I will return to bring you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. So the angel said, get busy with the great commission, for Jesus is coming back. Thank you for tuning in. If you can, don't forget to send a tax-deductible gift to us. Your generous donation made to our program promotes this broadcast and ones like it going out on the Internet and broadcast on local stations throughout the United States. So please prayerfully consider what you can give. Find out how to give your donation at www.graceandpublic.com It says in 1 Corinthians 2.7 But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Matthew 25:34 Then shall the king say unto them on on his right hand Come ye blessed of my father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world It's amazing It's amazing And one of the beautiful things we know about the finished work is that on the cross all sin was paid for it, and the sins of all mankind. Really, the judgment of sin upon mankind 
was taken upon the body of Jesus Christ on the cross. And it talks about this in Daniel 9, starting in verse 24. Um, And this is prophetic of the Messiah. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and the prophecy, and to anoint the Holy One. And really that, if we look at those statements, that was the ministry of Christ in the Incarnation. Mm. The different aspects of his ministry were all accomplished. And so sin is out of the way and paid for. And, and that is amazing. That is, that is incomprehensible. Like that is such good news. <laughs> Isn't it? That it is like, and, and we know and we hear it, people don't go to hell because of sin. They go to hell because they've rejected love. They've rejected unconditional love. They've rejected the person of, of God himself. And so, but there are those out there that teach the finished work, and they use that term, um, but they say, okay, well, all the sin is paid for, so that means everybody goes to heaven, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. there's nothing blocking, and God is, is, is so kind, and he's so gracious, mm-hmm. and he's taking care of it all on the cross, and they use the same verses that we use for the finished work, except they take out any, and they say, well, man is utterly depraved, he could not do anything to accomplish his own righteousness, and they use all of these things. But salvation is more than just sin being paid for. Amen. There are multiple aspects of sal- of that need to be accomplished in order for a person to be saved. Now, sin was taken care of. The judicial penalty of sin was taken care of. But our big problem as human beings is death. Mm-hmm. Death is a big problem. Amen. Yeah. And sin caused death. Mm-hmm. In John 8, 51... Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Mm. It says in Acts 2.24, Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden unto it. And this is talking about Christ. That Christ conquered death. That because of his innocent life, he, the grave could not hold him. <coughs> And he was resurrected. He tasted death. He died. Um, and, and it was necessary that he died. But because the penalty for sin and from eating of the tree was, if you eat of that tree, you'll surely die. And so Jesus died in our place, but death couldn't hold him. It says in Romans 5.12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed unto all men, for that all have sinned. So the problem is that people need to be made alive in order to be saved. Amen. <laughs> it's that simple. Many things happen at the moment of salvation, but one of the things that happened is we pass from death into life. So our sin is paid for, but now we're made alive in Christ. Before we were dead in our sins and trespasses. And there's a place for our sins and trespasses. It's a bottomless pit. It's It's hell. 
is where sin and trespasses go. And Jesus, literally bearing them upon his body, died and, in a sense, legally placed them there in the only place that will be isolated away from God forever when death and hell are sealed up at the very end of time. And all of it is put away. Mm. Mm. Wow. John 3, starting in verse 15. For whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hmm. Colossians 2.13 And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him having forgiven you all trespasses. Mm-hmm. Romans 6.4 Wherefore we are buried with him in baptism unto death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father even so we should walk in newness of life, quickened by that same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead. We are alive in Christ. We are alive in Christ. Quickened by the Spirit. And this is one of the beautiful, like, that we are given the Holy Spirit, sealed with the Spirit of God, unto the, and our human spirit is quickened and made alive, by the Spirit of God, and we walk with Him. And, and this is amazing, in the, in the sense, this communion, this, we, we have union with the life of God at the moment of our salvation. And then we have communion with the person of God, by the Spirit of God, that has now quickened us and made us alive, that our soul and spirit are alive in the kingdom of God. And we have fellowship with him. And that is so awesome. That is so awesome. That we've passed from death unto life. And uh, that's our inheritance. That we will never, don't you know, you will, we will never die. We will never. Death, where is your sting? Amen. Where is your sting? We will not even when we will not even feel it. Like with the last minute of our lives, something happens and there's this great grace that's upon the believer walking in, in truth, quickened by the Spirit. We don't even taste death. We don't even we're not even there when it happens. We're already going up. We're already born by angels into heaven. So the penalty of sin is paid for all men. But then we're quickened and made alive. And then we're taken to heaven. That's the only way we could get there. Amen. We couldn't get there on our own power. Amen. We're taken there. We're taken there. Jesus died and died for all men. And all men die. Amen. You know, he was raised and we were raised with him. Quickened forever to live with him in heaven. Made, made suitable for heavenly places holy and righteous brand new creatures in Christ we'd love to hear from you so please go to our website and contact us 
Her web address is www.graceinpublic.com. Lord, thank you for the wonders of your finished work. And we, we pray, Father, that we would be beacons of life, of life. That your life would be manifested in us so that those that walk in darkness would see it and desire it. And we know that you've paid a high price that anyone can have it, whosoever will, may come and believe. Lord, give us words to speak and when we speak to people that they would see behind our eyes they would see your life in us. And perhaps you are listening today out there and you've never received Christ as your Savior. You can have this life, this life of the eternal is. All you need to do is cry out to God. All you need to do is believe in your heart and ask Him, based upon what He's done on the cross, to come into your life, bring you from death into life. You can do that today in the quietness of your home, wherever you're listening to this message. You can receive Christ as your Savior and have eternal life that will never pass away.